0: Thank you for listening to Quest Church San Diego. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at questsd.com. Again, that's questsd.com. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at questsd.com. Thank you for listening. Are continuing to look at Paul's letters to the church in Corinth. We find ourselves in chapter 4 today, and if you were with us last week, you remember we've been following along, along with Paul's second letter to the church, which uh, is a little bit more joyful because some of the hard things that Paul had to say in 1 Corinthians. Uh, Is beginning to take root, and there's some change that is happening in the church. And that is, as a pastor, for Pastor Paul, it's encouraging uh, and uh, joyful for him to see fruit bearing in the ministry and in the church. But uh, there were some ongoing struggles and challenges, and those who were attacking his ministry and his character. And so Paul has been defending some of that. But there are a lot of tones of uh, of uh, Of difficulty and of trial and of challenge and of trouble in life, and that 's because Paul is sharing his heart he 's uh, kind of opening up to the church and telling them about some of those difficulties that he 's experienced in the ministry. but what I love about uh, paul 's uh you know discussion on suffering is that he's not drawing attention to himself so that he can have a pity party and uh, get all this consolation and support, although we need to support and encourage one another. But he also, on the opposite side of the coin, describes the comfort and the mercy and the help and the grace and the strength of God. And uh, if you tie a thread between chapter one of Second Corinthians and chapter four of Second Corinthians, you'll see this great comfort of God and the mercy of God, but today we're going to see this eternal perspective of why we encounter suffering and trial. And so the title of the message today is Our Light Affliction, because that's actually what Paul uses. That's a phrase he uses in this chapter, and uh, it's kind of challenging when you read that because affliction isn't light. He doesn't mean like bright light shining. He means like it's not that big of a deal. It's not that heavy, and uh, there are many scriptures that encourage us and remind us that there is purpose in the pain, that God is developing something immaterial in our lives. As uh, James would say in his epistle, that we should count it all joy when we encounter trials of various kinds. For we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Well, how do you measure perseverance? How do you gauge character Uh, How do you measure hope? Those are immaterial, but we can see the progress and the growth of that in our lives through our decisions and through our actions and through our reactions, through our words, through our choices. You see the maturity and growth that's happening in our lives. And so this light affliction has a purpose, and really the point that we want to remember today is that our future glory outweighs any present agony, any present temporary. In fact, Paul uses that word at the end of this chapter chapter, to describe how our affliction and our agony and our trouble and our hardship is very temporary compared to the eternal weight of glory that we will have in the future. And we're going to see this in three ways, just a very simple outline for us. Paul is going to describe the incredible clarity of the gospel. He's going to paint a beautiful picture how the the gospel is brilliant and incredible and beautiful and bright. And because of that, Paul then goes on to describe the invincible stability of the godly, those who have tenacity and grit and stability and strength, even in our weakness. He's going to use that phrase that we are clay vessels or earthen pots very weak and vulnerable, however the strength of the Lord is inside of us. And then thirdly, we're going to see the invisible reality of the gift of grief. The grief that we experience temporarily here on earth is a gift from God because it gives us and shines a a reality on the invisible. Paul says in this chapter that we don't look at the physical We look at the immaterial, the invisible. So jumping into 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Now you need to remember that as you read through the Bible and you have this breakup from chapter and verse, originally this letter was not written in that way. It was a continuation. There's a flow of thought. And that flow of thought is a summary statement that we read in verse 1 of chapter 4, pointing us back to the ministry that Paul was describing in chapter 3. In fact, it was a comparison. There was a ministry of life through the Spirit, and there was a ministry of death through the letter of the law. And the ministry of the Spirit brings life and freedom and transformation And Paul says, therefore, since we have this ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives from glory to glory, being transformed in our lives through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, giving us freedom where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom and change and transformation. There is a tremendous amount of mercy so that we do not lose heart. And this is a phrase that Paul chooses to use in these just simple couple chapters to describe how when we experience hardship and trial, we can become very despondent. We can sink into depression and into despair. But Paul is lifting our eyes from focusing on the hardship and looking eternally at what God is doing uh, in our lives to be renewed day by day in the inner person, even though our outward body is perishing. So Paul says here that there is mercy, tremendous amount of mercy and comfort and consolation in this ministry of the Holy Spirit. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, verse 2, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now this is a, uh, an allusion to uh, those who were in the church who were peddling the Word of God. In fact, that's what Paul uses at the end of chapter 2. He says that there are some ministers and some people who who will peddle God's Word, meaning they will use it for their own selfish gain. They will sell it. They will build their own kingdom, build their own platform, increase their own influence for their own selfish pride and ego. Uh, And so, Paul is saying that his ministry is not to sell the gospel. His ministry is not to have deceit and craftiness in the Word of God, but it is to let the Word of God be the Word of God, which is alive and active, powerful than a double-edged sword. It has the ability to discern the, the intents of the heart and the mind. It uh, reproves and corrects and trains in all righteousness so that the man or woman of God can be thoroughly equipped. And he says that when that truth and this gospel is revealed, it brings uh, the light of God in verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. That's a very important phrase to circle or underline in your Bible. In fact, I think generally speaking, this is a reference to Satan. And if you remember, there's quite a few references to Satan in Paul's letters to the church in Corinth that Satan has very deceitful tactics and we need to be aware of them and not be ignorant of them. But uh, Satan will also divide and he's trying to divide and conquer the church and the bride of Christ. And so uh, we also know that Satan is busy here blinding people's minds. But we also know in a more broader sense, that uh, there are many different gods of this age and of this culture. There's a God of money. There's a God of self-indulgence. There's a God of pride. uh, There's a God of ego. There's a God of material possessions and things. And all this can distract us from the reality and the truth of God and His gospel. And so Paul says that the God of this age is using all of these tactics to blind people who do not believe, Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So the the gospel is all about Jesus. It's the gospel of the glory of Christ. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, I think that's an interesting phrase or word for Paul to use because at the end of chapter 3, Paul says that we should look into a mirror. And when we look into a mirror, there should be the reflection and the image of Jesus Christ being changed from glory to glory. And now we're told what face we are to see when we look into the mirror as the Holy Spirit is giving us liberty and freedom and transformation. It's the face of Jesus That Jesus is seen when we look not only into the Word of God, but uh, also into our lives. And so just in these opening verses, we see Paul describe how the gospel glows with incredible clarity and brilliance and beauty. So we have darkness, but we also have light. We have blindness, but we also have vision to see. And Paul contrasts the light with the darkness by those ministers who are shamefully manipulating God's word for selfish gain and prestige and power and influence and control over other people. But but Paul says the gospel is not that way. The gospel is free. In fact, uh, Paul says in Ephesians that it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it is according to God's mercy that He has saved us. And this is all for the glory of Christ. This is the gospel, the good news, the the beauty and the perfection of Jesus Christ as seen here in the gospels. You remember after Jesus resurrected from the dead and uh, he was having a conversation with a couple of his followers as they were walking on the road to Emmaus. And these followers didn't know that it was Jesus talking with them. And he began to ask them a couple questions. And these Followers were very despondent and in despair because their master, their Lord, their rabbi, their teacher was dead and gone. And Jesus began to describe all in all of the Scriptures the truths of the Messiah, how Jesus was to suffer. Now, He was talking about Himself, but the disciples didn't know that that was Jesus right there with them. And that's a beautiful uh, Bible study to have if Jesus was to open up the scriptures. And I've said it before, and the scriptures tell us that the point of script- the scriptures is the person of Jesus Christ. That on every page, in every punctuation, in every verb, in every tense, in every subject, in every noun, it's the person of Jesus Christ. And it's the face of Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel paints a portrait of the picture of Jesus. So if we're looking and reading and opening up our scriptures to see, we're going to see Jesus. But Satan does not want you to see Jesus. Satan does not want you to see the truth and the brightness and the reality of Jesus. In fact, Satan has been using the same tactics from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, questioning the validity and the truth and the power of God's word. Did God really say, you shall not surely die? He also used those same tactics. Twisted, manipulated devices and tactics on Jesus when He was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights being tempted. Now, we also read in 1 John that there's nothing new in this world, that all the temptations that come against you and I, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, there are so many things that are trying to distract you and I from the truth of Jesus Christ in the Scriptures. If we could just look at other things And in fact, Satan doesn't need to spend a lot of time on those who are already preoccupied with the gods, quote unquote, of this age. The gods of entertainment, the gods of money, the gods of material things, whatever it is, the gods of lust, whatever it is, if we are consumed with those distractions, Satan doesn't need to come and spend too much time on us. But he does need to attack the pastor of a church who's preaching the Word of God and studying it to share it with God's people. He's also attacking and throwing veils of trying to cloud the Word of God in those who are reading their Bibles in the morning and waking up and saying, God, I need your truth, I need your light, I need your love today. Those who are taking their time during their lunch break to listen to a podcast or to listen to an audio version of the Bible or to read God's Word or to hear a podcast or a preaching during their commute to work in and out because they got 30 minutes and it's a perfect time for a a sermon podcast. And you're trying to grow and be renewed in your inner person. Satan is coming to attack you. He's coming to cloud uh, God's people, not only God's people, but all people's minds, to cover the truth of God. He did that and manipulated and twisted it In the Garden of Eden. And He will do the same in our lives. To get us blinded and confused and turned around. Not focused on really the truth of this incredible, brilliant, beautiful gospel. And this gospel helps root us and sustain us and strengthen us in all that follows. He says, For those who believe there is power unto God for salvation. But salvation is not the finish line. It's the starting line. It's the starting line to a tremendously exciting but often very challenging life of following Jesus Christ that is going to come with some affliction. Just because we are a follower of Jesus Christ does not make us immune to the sufferings and to the trials. But. What Paul says in this chapter is that there is an eternal perspective and a wonderful hope for those who do encounter this type of heartache because we're looking into the face of Jesus. In fact, Paul would say, I want to know the fellowship of Christ's suffering. I want to understand what Jesus Christ has done for us Because we do not have a high priest in Jesus Christ who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses and with our temptations because he was tempted in all those temptations that we experienced, yet he was without sin. He is the mediator. He's the one who allows us to come into the throne room of grace and mercy to obtain help in time of need. This is the face of Jesus. This is the power of the gospel. This is the brilliance of the truth of God being shown in our hearts. You know, there was also another parable that Jesus shared with his disciples about someone who went to go sow a seed. And uh, as the farmer was sowing the seed, some seed fell On the wayside, and the birds came and ate it up, and it never even germinated or grew. There was some seed that fell on stony ground, and it sprouted up quickly, but it was choked out. There was some seed that uh, fell on shallow ground, and there was a lot of weeds, and that was choked out, but there was no depth for the root. But there was also some seed that fell on good soil, and that bore fruit. Now, Jesus told the disciples that Satan is like a bird in the air who comes and steals God's word away from people's hearts so that they cannot experience the growth and the beauty and the intimacy and the relationship that we have with God through the Word of God. Paul says the Word of God is powerful. It's truth. When you unleash the Word of God, you unleash the power of God. And every single one of us has the access to the Word of God. In fact, when you look at John, the Gospel of John, you see Uh, that we're told that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then in verse 14, we're told that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word of God is the person of Jesus Christ. And the Word of God is so powerful when it is activated in in our lives by faith in believing the truth of God's Word. It shines a brilliant light to give you perspective on all the gods of this age that are trying to control and manipulate and put you in these sort of boxes and think a certain way and to believe a certain thing and to act a certain way, whether it's social media or mainstream media or the powers and influences in the spiritual realm are at war against your soul so that you would just be distracted, You would live life fluttering through. But that is not the way Jesus Christ has come to lay his life down for you and I. He's come to give us life and life more abundantly. Friend, there is more to living for the weekend. There is more to just building the American dream. There's an eternal weight of glory that is at stake for your soul. And Paul says, part of that, part of that development is going through the trials and the difficulties. Look here in verse 7, Paul says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side. These are uh, really famous verses in the Bible, but they're encouraging verses, but they're also challenging verses. Maybe this phrase would describe your life right now. You are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also live, believe, and speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus. So he's talking about the resurrection and the hope that that brings, even though our physical bodies are perishing. For all things, verse 15, all things are for your sake, uh, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Some of these verses bring us encouragement, but also perspective on the challenges that we experience in life. Secondly, uh, we see that Paul says, the godly grow with invincible stability. Another word I was considering was tenacity, uh, which is, I just really love that word. It uh, conveys grit and determination, but maybe it's not the most accurate word in what Paul is saying because it's not our grit and our determination that gives us stability in life and in storms. In fact, Jesus says, if you hear my words and obey them, you'll be like a person who builds their life upon a rock when the storms come and the winds come and and the waves come. And the rains come, your life will not fall. It will have stability. And this is the invincible stability that we have as followers of Jesus Christ, but we grow in this stability. And Paul uses a couple of analogies. He uses this analogy of the pot and of the vessel and of the clay. And I love that because in other scriptures in the Old Testament, we're told that uh, in an analogy or as a metaphor that we are like clay in the potter's hand. God is the master potter person, (laughs) and uh, we are on the wheel, and, and we're spinning, and He's pinching and pushing and pressing and pulling, and any other P you can think of that God might be doing in your life right now, but He's molding and shaping our lives. He's applying water to our lives through the washing of the Word so that our hearts would be soft and pliable to how He would mold and how He would shape And uh, this is an analogy of our lives as containers of vessels of this amazing treasure, the treasure of the gospel, the treasure of Jesus Christ, the treasure of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, that the supremacy of the gospel is sealed in surprising vessels. Uh, There's... This Japanese artist, artistry uh, that I encountered, we encountered when we were serving in, in Japan for, for many years as, as missionaries, and it's called kintsugi. And uh, the premise of this, uh, this artistry is that a pot or a vessel or a jar is more beautiful and more valuable after it's been broken because it reveals the history of the pot and normally when something is broken, well, we just throw it away and we feel like uh, it's, there's no value anymore. But in this Japanese uh, artistry of kintsugi, what they do is they take all these pieces and they infuse gold into the glue. And uh, they glue the pieces back together and then they put a light inside of this pot. So that when the light is shining within the pot, you can see the gold-infused glue glowing And you can see all the imperfections and all the cracks. And I thought, wow, that is such a beautiful analogy and picture of our lives as broken vessels before the Lord. All types of issues and struggles and difficulties. But we don't want those things to be seen by other people. Because the world and the God of this age says, well, if you do, then you're weak and you're vulnerable. And uh, people will abuse you and manipulate you and take advantage of you. And yes, that might be the case, but in Christ, and you might have experienced that in your life, but in Christ, you do not need to be afraid of the broken cracks in your life. Because if you've been mended by Jesus, now the power and the exceeding glory of Jesus Christ is revealed in the blood soaked glue that holds you together. It's beautiful red. And people see Jesus shining in your life, and they see that your life is much more valuable now that it has been broken and mended by Jesus. It's much more beautiful. We don't have to hide those imperfections because the pot is not the purpose. It's the power. It's the power of God. Paul would go on to say that in my weakness, God's strength is perfected. You see, when we are at our weakest, God's strength is at its strongest. He's sustaining you. That is the hope we have as Christ followers. Now, apart from Christ, we have our own stability. We have our own strength. We have our own coping mechanisms, but friend, I tried to cope personally using my own methods for many years of my life, and I found myself wanting more. In fact, you could interview and talk with some of the most successful people in the world, those who have and earned and gained the most money in the world, the most fame in the world. And unfortunately, every single one of them has confessed and said that there is no joy and hope and happiness in these material things and so jesus comes in and says that hole and that void in your life is only filled by the gospel of jesus christ there we find meaning and strength and stability there we see that even though we are hard pressed on every side can i get a show of hands if anyone is hard pressed on maybe yeah okay good look at It's okay. We just talked about how you can expose those weaknesses. Uh, But yes, hard-pressed, perplexed, confused about uncertainty. Uh, Well, we could go around the room and raise our hands. Persecuted by being a Christ follower of family and friends or co-workers, struck down and, uh, and abused by other people. Listen, Paul says that God's strength as a Christ follower picks you up every time life knocks you down. Every time the knocks, the hard knocks of life, hits you, blindsided, hurts you, abuses you, frustrates you, confuses you, challenges you, tears you up inside. Every time life comes knocking you down, there is nothing that life can do to keep you down when your life is found in Christ. It's His strength. God's strength picks you up every single time. He dusts you off. He glues you back together. He mends you. He fixes you. A Christian, a follower of Christ, is invincible despite numerous obstacles. And We might be thinking, well, I've been through a lot. And uh, if you're breathing and you're here, you got some more to do. <laughs> you got some more to go through. But as Paul says here in closing, that even though our outward bodies are wasting away, you just have to talk to anyone over 30 and you will know. That body is wasting away. I don't know if that age has changed or not, but your joints begin to creak. Your muscles begin to ache. Anybody moan and groan when you get up and out of a chair? <sighs> okay, I'm here we go. I'm good going. Paul says, an eternal perspective is needed in the light affliction and future glory. Therefore... We do not lose heart. Someone needs to hear that today. It's three times already. Don't lose heart. Don't sink into depression. Oh, sure, depression may be around you. It may come upon you. That's okay. It's not a sin to be depressed. But Jesus sits right down in your depression. Jesus sits right down in your gloom. He picks up your hurting pieces The moment we lay them down to Him. Do not lose heart, friend. Do not give up. Even though our outward man or woman is perishing. Yes, it is dying. It is falling apart. There are more wrinkles this week than there were last. There's less hair this week than there was last. There's slings, arms in slings. There's hips getting replaced. There's knees that are bionical. I don't know how you want to say it. We're all falling apart. But the other side of the coin, friend, is that we're actually being renewed on the inside. The inward man or woman is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. You realize that your pain is working for you. You don't have to work for it. pain is working for you. God is filtering everything that comes into your life And he is twisting and turning it in a good way to bring about something good in your life. He who began a work is faithful to complete it. And God works out all things for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Your pain works for you. You're not a prisoner of your pain. God uses that, working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but that the things which are not seen, that's a very hard thing to do, for the things which are seen are temporary. Everyone say temporary. It's fleeting. Our lives are a vapor, the scripture says. It's like the grass in the field that hopefully by now it's either been weed whacked or starting to die because we haven't had much rain recently. It's fleeting. Our lives are very fragile. Our bodies are fragile just takes a couple of bumps and we're bruised all over we're not guaranteed the next moment the next day even the next breath it's by the grace of God that our nervous system is working our uh, blood system is working there's probably a technical term for that and uh, you nurses can help me out with that but uh, all parts of our body are working because of the grace of God the Bible says we've been knit and formed together and fashioned together in our mother's womb. Uh, but we're also told ashes to ashes and dust to dust. This physical body is going to die. We're using it up, and hopefully we're taking care of it so that we can extend as many years as God would give us. But uh, it's going back to the dust. But you know what's not? Your soul, your inner man, your inner woman. That's being renewed. There is a tremendous amount of spiritual renewal and reviving that God is doing in your soul and in your heart that sustains your aching body in difficult times and challenges. You see, Paul links the hope that we have in the resurrection to prevent the despair that we have in our affliction. There is hope of a new body. That's good. All right. Wonderful. In fact, in chapter five, Paul goes into greater detail there. We'll look at that uh, in the weeks to come. But this prevents the despair that we have. In our affliction and in our struggle, so this is the outward body, but Paul says that there's a spiritual body, an inward body, and God uses outward suffering to renew your inner soul, the inside of who you really are. I was having a conversation I think it was with one of our daughters, and they said, "Are we really going to live forever?" And I thought, "You know, there's some sometimes you get those moments and you just kind of think about that." And, uh, and she said, "Wow, that sounds really exhausting." <laughs> I thought, well, maybe, hopefully we have a lot of good things to do. I know we are up in heaven, and uh, after 10,000 years, we've got so many more to go, but there's no time and space in heaven. But uh, it brings up a good point, that uh, our our soul is going to live forever. And who we are, God is renewing and transforming us and changing us. But He uses the outward suffering to renew our inner soul. And these sort of things that we go through are are temporary. Now, that's, that's difficult in the moment because those things that perplex us and press upon us are, it can seem like the whole world is ending. It could seem like everything is falling apart. But just remember that, you know, when things in our lives seem to be falling apart, they're probably falling into place for God. As a follower of Jesus, with your heart close to his word, filled with the Holy Spirit, being transformed and changed day by day, he's causing these things that fall apart in our life to fall into place. I think that's a good song too, so I didn't come up with that. But um, God is working a far greater, exceeding weight of glory in our lives. And because of this, we can be forever grateful even when life is temporarily painful. Forever grateful. Always thankful. they are going to be worshiping. We can worship the Lord in the worry. We can praise Him in the pain. We can thank Him in all the heartache and hardships because He is working in our lives. It's an eternal perspective. We're going to have our worship team come on up and lead us in a closing song as, as uh, we finish out this, this last little point here. So stay with me. As Paul says, this is an eternal perspective. Now, oftentimes, we gaze at our pain far too much. We are looking intently at the circumstances around us. But when we look at the circumstances around us, that is when we fall into despair. That is when we lose heart. So Paul here in these verses is challenging us to shift our focus and our attention. You see, it's hard to glimpse God's purpose when we are constantly gazing at our pain. When we're constantly gazing and looking. Now, there's a difference between a gaze and a glance. When you gaze at something, you are fixated on it, focused intently. No other distractions. You've got blinders right on that. You are gazing intently at it. But a glance is really quick. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. And oftentimes, it's opposite in our lives. We glance at the Word of God. We glance at some worship. We glance at church. But we gaze at the pain. We gaze at the hardship. And Paul here is giving us a more eternal perspective because there is purpose in the pain. There is purpose of God using that pain to work for us something good and something beautiful. He's piecing together the broken pieces of our lives. He's mending us so that when he fills us with his light, then other people see. They see the cracks. They see the hurt. They see the frustration. They see how we're confused about certain things. But they also see the invincible strength and power of God that no matter how many times life or this world or spiritual attacks or spiritual warfare hit you and I, knock you and I down, throw us for a loop, get us confused, we still are able to get back up with the strength of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chapter, this portion of Scripture that is both beautiful but also challenging. None of us want to encounter trials. We thank you, Lord, that we have the strength of God. And I pray for those who feel like they haven't even been put back together yet. There's a lot of pieces all over the ground. I pray that as we sing this song and close out our time this morning there is so much more life ahead of you into this week so forget about the past forget about what happened in the past maybe that's what Satan tries to get you to do to look back no look forward Look into the face of Jesus. Look into the perfection of Scripture. And there you will see your beauty and your value and your worth to God like never before. There you will find strength where you thought there would never be strength. There you will find hope that wells up from deep recesses of pain that continue to bubble refreshment in your life refreshed and renewed by Jesus today. We love you. We thank you. And it's in your name. Amen. Amen. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at questsd.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you.